All right. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And this morning, last week, we noted that Jesus was the light, and we are in a season, the Christmas season, where we are looking at this idea of light and life. Light and life. And it's kind of been born out of our study in the Gospel of John, light and life. And last week, we, we noted that the birth of Jesus was the emergence of light in darkness. And we talked about this idea that the birth of Jesus was uh, a sunrise for those who were living in darkness. And this morning we want to take a look at the birth of Jesus and how it is not only the emergence of light in darkness, but how the birth of Jesus is the promise of life in the midst of a world experiencing deadness. Life in the midst of of deadness. And as we open to John chapter 1, we, we're going to look at this passage that, uh, that Sarah read for us this morning, this very familiar prologue, but I want to, we're going to just kind of reflect on this idea of how is Jesus' life, and the way we're going to do that is we're going to reflect on how, how we see the gospel of John and Jesus in the gospel of John talk about the sort of life that is associated with him. So we got a few points there in your bulletin, you can look at that. I don't know if we're going to make it all the way through, but we're going to see how far we can get. Right? You guys with me? All right, so let's open up John chapter 1, and this morning we're going to reflect on this idea that life is available in Jesus. Life is available in Jesus, and we're going to be looking at what Jesus says about life. So John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the first point of reflection that I want to bring to us and have us reflect as we enter into this, this, uh, this morning and we continue with our worship is this, that in the beginning was life. In the beginning was life. The first thing that we should note is that in Genesis it notes that God created every living creature that moves in the oceans, in the skies, on the earth. In the beginning was life. And when God creates humans, the author of Genesis says, then the Lord God formed man from dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And what John wants to tell us, what the Gospel of John wants us to know about Jesus is that before Jesus was born, at the beginning of all things, there was life. And he was responsible for that life. That life was a gift from God, a gift from the eternal word. In the beginning was the word, and life was in that word. So the first thing that we note about life in the Gospel of John is that in the beginning was life. There was life. And Jesus gave life from the beginning. As we keep going, we note that not only was Jesus giving life from the beginning, that in the beginning was life, but there's also birth. That word was present at the beginning to give life to all things, but that word was going to be born as a human. And you're like, yeah, I know this is Christmas, right? You're like, These are, this is a little bit of review for everybody, okay? If you've been in church for some time, this is the review section. In John 1.14, great verse, the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, 
glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I love that we, we finished with that. That's really the crescendo of this passage, this prologue in John chapter 1, that uh, the re- really the reason for the season, that the Word became flesh, what theologians call the incarnation. Incarnation is this, is this Latin term that basically means enfleshment, that the Word that was in the beginning that gave life to all things, that Word was going to be born. That Jesus would take on human flesh, would take on human nature, would become like us. And what's interesting about this, what's significant about this, what is the reason for the season? That the creator and giver of life became conceived in a young woman, gestated for nine months, moved and kicked, kicked, right? Like Joseph, Jesus is kicking. The word become flesh is kicking, right? Is moving, is becoming, is taking on the experiences that all of us have experienced. Although you can't recall that. We don't have the memory for it, right? You don't remember being in your mother's womb or even being born. But Jesus experienced the same thing that we did, the very birth that we experienced, the very, the conception, the gestation, the birth, all the things that we experience, all the joys of this life, the learning in this life, the pain in this life, the grief in this life, that Jesus would become like us in every way he would feel the joys and the sorrows all the pleasures and the pains the hopes and fears of all the years as the song says all the things that we would feel in our humanity god said i i'm the giver of life but i want to experience what it's like to be them The Word became flesh and didn't just visit. The Word became flesh and dwelt and lived and and settled among us, made his home among us. And when we think about what, you know, you ask, you know, what is the true meaning of Christmas? That's it. That the Word, that God would become in our, among us, the same birth that all of us experienced, the God of the universe would experience He would become Emmanuel, God with us. And so not only in the beginning was there life, but there was life in birth, your birth, and the birth of Jesus, which was a birth just like that birth. Like we've said before, that that away in a manger, no crying, he made, no, 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 no. If you cried, he cried. He cried as a baby. Like, it's not like he walked out, he's like, hey, shalom, everyone. You know, where are, my, where are my people, right? He didn't do that. Like, he grew. He experienced that. He experienced the same weakness that you experienced. It's the meaning of Christmas. It's why Christmas exists. Because the God of the universe, in whom there was life in the beginning, said, I want to be with them. I want to experience what they experience. So there's life in the beginning, but there's also life at birth. God says, I don't want to just feel what they feel. I want to to enter into their lives. That he also says, it's not just that. I want them to know and to feel what I feel. That there is also, God is going to say, look, I want them to experience my life. And so there is life not only in the beginning and in birth, but in rebirth. 
I don't want them to just be born on earth. I want them to be born from above. And we, we looked at this as we looked at the, the dialogue with Nicodemus in chapter 3, in John chapter 3, that Jesus answered, Nicodemus comes to him with some questions, but Jesus kind of cuts right to the chase in 3.3. 3. He says, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And we noted that the word, that word again has a double meaning. It means being born again, but it also means being born from above. You must be born again. And every, Jesus notes that though every human has a birth, every human also needs a rebirth. Every human needs birth by the Spirit. And Jesus will not only provide the breath of life in the beginning of all creation, Jesus will not only experience the birth that you experienced, but Jesus will provide the necessary rebirth by offering God's Spirit to come and indwell people. All right, now I want us, I want us to ask a question. Ask yourself. How do we know if there has been rebirth? We hear about this all the time, right? And I think there, there's a sense of like, okay, we hear, I know I've got to be born again. How do I know if I've been reborn? How do I know if I've experienced this birth, this rebirth that Jesus talks about to Nicodemus? You've got to be born again. You've got to be born from above. Like, it's not enough to just come out in, in water, like he says, or if, according to the flesh, but you have to be born according to the Spirit. How do we know that, how do you know if you have been born again? And I suppose the first thing, again, because I think if, as, we, as we think about this, why, why does Jesus come? Like there's life in the beginning, and he gives life, and he says, I want to be with you, but I don't just want to be with you. I want to be, I want to give you a sense of what is real life like. And in order to experience the life of God, God's just a lot, lot I mean, certainly God's like, I want to know what it's like for them, for them, but I also want them to know what it's like to live in my life. I want them to experience the life that is in me, and so in order for them to do that, there has to be a rebirth. And so the question is, how do I know if I have experienced rebirth, being born again? And I think the first thing is this, and you're like, well, is this going to be like three steps to being born again? And the, in, the answer to that is actually like, there's, a, there's mystery to it, isn't there? Like, Jesus actually goes on to say, like, and this is where you're like, you're, are they really paying you money to do this, Pastor Craig? Because you don't have any answers for me. And the first answer I would give you is basically this. There's a mystery to rebirth. There's a mystery to it. And I suppose, right off the bat, one thing to note is that if anybody is giving you, like, hey, these are the standard three steps to blah, 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 like, hey, Give it a little, like, there's a mystery to this. Look at what, John, what Jesus says to Nicodemus in John 3, 8. He says, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going to. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. And Jesus is going to say, just like the wind has this mystery, like when the Santa and the winds come through, you're like, what in the world is going on? Where does this come from and where is it going? But he says the same thing about the Spirit, that there's times when, even though you're, you're, you're birth, there's a sense of like, hey, you know, why, why are babies born? And it's like, well, when a mommy loves a daddy, right? Okay, and I mean, I, we could go, I'm going to save you with that, that talk um, that I put my kids through. But, um, but the idea is that, hey, you you're conceived and then you got nine months and like hey we've gotten to the point where like if you wanted to come a little early you can induce 
Or like if you want to wait or you want to do natural childbirth or maybe you want an epidural or something like that. Like there's lots of ways that we can control the way birth comes. And what Jesus says is, hey, with, with, with being born again, you can't manipulate this. You can't control this. There's something, there's something mysterious and miraculous about the rebirth. Even if your birth might be, you might recognize how it happens and you might have answers for that, but rebirth, there's a mystery to it. And I want us to just reflect a little bit on this because I think in a, in a room like this, we might think, and I think that it, it's fair to say we've been at church and maybe you have, you have experienced rebirth. And I just want us to answer the question like, how do I know that that's happened? And I think this idea that, I think there's a couple things. Mystery aside, I think there's a couple things that we can, we can hang our hat on to answer the question. How do we know if we've experienced this rebirth? If Jesus has breathed life into humanity and all living things, and he's experienced our birth, how can we know if we have been born again, that he's brought new life? And I think one thing is this, one thing is this. I think every time there's a rebirth, there's always a, what I would call a milestone of change that's part of that. Most of the time with the rebirth, that there's a prayer, there's a, there's a recognition that what I am needs the life of Jesus in me, that what I have is not enough, that I need something beyond myself, a prayer, a recognition that Jesus can provide rebirth, forgiveness out of sin and shame, and to note that Jesus offers new life into the light of life. And I suppose the question is, have you experienced a milestone of change like that? Maybe a prayer, maybe a realization that has been accompanied by this calling on Jesus. Jesus, I know that you are the only way. I know that whatever I need, only you have. There's something like that. Whatever it is, and I'm, again, it's, there's a mystery to it, but I think that there is this sense that what we see in Scripture is there is this calling out to simply call out to Jesus and say, I know I've done wrong, I know I've been hurtful, I turn to you, I need you, I want you. A milestone of change. But what Jesus is saying in John also is that there's not just this prayer, this milestone of change, this moment of rebirth, the new birthday. And maybe it's a day, maybe it's a season. For me, I look at a kind of a season of my life in which I've, I experience this. Again, it's a mystery. It's not Quantifying it is very difficult. But what he says is not just being born again, but being born from above, being born of the Spirit. And I would say this, there's three things about knowing that there's the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, okay? And again, this is not three steps, but three general ideas, three general ways that you know that the Holy Spirit, being born from above, that the Spirit is present in your life. And I would say this, the first thing is, has God taken you in an unexpected direction? Has God taken you in an unexpected direction? Once, what once was attractive to you, now you no longer have a taste for? Things that now you're interested in, what back in the day you would have had no interest in. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit after you have experienced new birth. God has moved you in new directions. 
So new directions. Unexpe- have you experienced an unexpected direction? I would argue that, that is the, part of that is the mystery of the Spirit. Why did my sensibilities change? I don't know. The Spirit blows where the Spirit wants to. I think the second thing is this. Have you experienced unexpected fruit in your life? Not only unexpected direction, but unexpected fruit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit produces fruit. Are you finding that you have love and compassion where there was once only judgment? That's the Holy Spirit. You can't cook that up yourself. You can't induce that. You can't make that get born in you. That's the Holy Spirit. Do you have joy? Do you have peace? Do you find you have more peace, more patience? Do you find that the anxiety, as you call on Jesus, that the anxiety wanes and the joy increases and the patience increases? That is the Holy Spirit. That's not some technique, by the way. That is the Holy Spirit doing a work of fruit in your life. How do you know if you've experienced new birth? There's a presence of the Spirit. He might take you in new directions, but he might also provide an unexpected sense of fruit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. I always like that self-control is the last thing that comes. <laughs> right? All right, I'm, I'm alone. Nobody, no laughter on that. It's the hard, I mean, it's so difficult. But have you experienced rebirth? I would say the presence of the Spirit is a great sign. How do I know that the Spirit is blown in my life? Milestone of change, presence of the Holy Spirit, unexpected fruit. And then I would also say this, I think a third thing, and again, this is not like three hard, fast ways to know if the Spirit, but these are general things. Have you experienced unexpected empowerment? So first, have you gone in an unexpected direction? Have you experienced unexpected fruit? But have you experienced unexpected empowerment? Like, have you, after you have had this moment where you're saying, Jesus, I want you in my life, what you have I need, have there been things in your life that you're like, I didn't really know I was good at that? And you start doing it and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm good at that. Or maybe there's something that you're really good at, and instead of applying it in this way, you're like, I'm, I think I'm going to try it this way, I'm going to apply it in this area, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, this is, this is awesome, I had never really thought of that. Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives gifts, and there's, there's empowerment that comes through the Holy Spirit. And so look, there's no hard, fast, there's no hard, fast way to, to, to induce rebirth. But I would say this, there is rebirth. And when you experience rebirth, there's a milestone generally. I think that there's, there's new directions, there's new fruit, there's new empowerment. Generally speaking, and I would just ask this question, have you experienced that? Because Jesus is the giver of life in the beginning. In the beginning there is life, and it comes from Jesus. And Jesus says, I want to experience what their life is like. He has a birth like you. He's like you. He is a high priest that is not, who is totally able to sympathize with your weaknesses. There's not a weakness you have that Jesus cannot sympathize with. But he says, I don't, it's not just that I want to know what they are experiencing. I want them to know what I have for them. And it starts with rebirth. Are you guys with me? Because I'm getting pretty pumped up. Like this is what it is. What, why is Christmas, why does the word become flesh and dwell among us? So that we might be reborn. We've all been born. 
Jesus is like, hey, I want you to be reborn. So Jesus gave life in the beginning. Jesus experienced birth, but he came to bring new birth, rebirth, born again, the presence of the Holy Spirit. We also see that Jesus will refer to what comes after this rebirth as eternal life. We're still in chapter 3. The word eternal life, John 3.16, anybody? Right? Remember the hold up the sign? Has anybody seen a guy holding up a sign at a football game? Yeah! I'm like, that guy loves Jesus, right? I'm like, you come to a, you come to a football game and you're all painted up, you're like Darth Raider or whatever, you know, or, or the Supercharger or whatever. But yeah, if you got there John 3.16, you're like, yeah! Right? Okay, all right. It's a little bit weird, but hang with me. Okay, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That, that phrase eternal life in the gospel of John, 17 times. 17 times in the gospel of John, it talks about eternal life. What is eternal life? What is eternal life? There's one verse, I think, I think there's, there's a couple ways. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through. There's kind of two ways you can take eternal life. But one verse, one verse in John chapter 10, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it for you. In John chapter 10, I think this, this gives us a sense of what eternal life is like. John, Jesus says, talking about himself as the good shepherd, he says this. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Look, if there's anything in your life that is stealing or killing or destroying, that is not Jesus. That is not the Holy Spirit. There's a stealing or a killing or destroying, that is not Jesus. There will be people who claim to be in the name of Jesus and they are destroying and stealing and killing. That is not Jesus. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but listen to what he says. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That word abundantly, that word abundantly in Greek is the word um, perisos, which means abundant, I love this, it means profuse. Profuse life. Extraordinary or remarkable in measure. Abundant life. In the NIV, it's translated as life to the full. I have come that they may have life and may have it abundantly. Now, there's two ways to take this idea of eternal. One way to take it is quantitatively, the qua- quantitatively, the quantity of life, which means this. If I'm born, again, new birth, my life extends chronologically eternally, right? It, like, it starts over there and it never ends. It's quantitative. It's the amount of life. It starts here and it goes on chronologically like way out the door, right? That's, 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 the, that's one sense of eternal. That's, it's chronologically eternal. But another way to think about this, and I think this is actually a better way to think about it because once this eternal life starts, it's not just the, the, the quantity of it, it's also the quality of it that the quality of this life is full. The quality of this life is eternal in the sense of what you're experiencing is not just abundant, it's life to the full. What does life to the full look like? Again, back to this question. 
it's hard to quantify this, right? But what does life to the full look like? Here's just a few things. How, do you know if you've experienced life to the full? Here's a couple things. Have you learned to give love? I mean, have you really learned to give love even when love is not returned? Have you learned to give compassionate love? And then also, I'll just say this, have you learned to receive love? Not just from God, but from other people. When you don't deserve it and someone is just being gracious, have you learned to graciously receive love? Have you learned to take in the joys and wonders of this world? Have you learned to take the joys and wonders of this world? Have you learned to rejoice with those who rejoice? Have you learned to mourn with those who mourn? And even know how to do that just from moment to moment and to shift those gears. Here's one. Again, you might, we might, there's, this is not an exhaustive list of life to the full, okay? But for me, these are the sorts of things that I would look at in my own life. Am I experiencing life to the full? Here's one. Have you learned to join your voice in song with people around you? Have you learned to join your voice in song with people around you? Yesterday, uh, my wife and I were at a memorial service for um, um, a woman, Marion Cooper. She's the mother of, uh, she was the mother of uh, a good friend of mine, Craig Cooper, and she passed away this past week. And um, I knew Craig and his mom um, and Craig's family when I was a pastor at Voyager's Bible Church in Irvine. And um, got to hear, I knew Marion more at the, near the end of her life, but heard a little bit of her story. Marion, after having two sons, was abandoned by her husband. We would see the pictures, and some pictures he was in there, and some pictures he was gone, and there was no explanation. And at the end, Craig um, was reading from her journal. Marion was not a believer for most of her life. As a matter of fact, she didn't come to faith until she was about 75. He read in her journal, well, she was abandoned by her husband when they were young, and her husband died a few years after leaving her, and a horrible story that he left her with nothing. He left it all to his new girlfriend, and it was just a horrible story. I mean, you can imagine, you, even right now, you hear that story, you're like, ah, Right? My friend Craig read from her journal, and she said, after he died, I hated him more than when he was alive, and I became a sad alcoholic. But then in her journal, she went on to say how people had urged her to put her trust in Jesus. And as she did, later in her life, because really the, the, the love of the people around her, the love of Craig, the love of his family, the love of his wife, she finally came to faith that God's spirit, the wind blew. How, how, why? Why then? Why now? Because birth, new birth is not something that we can manipulate. I only encountered Marion after she had become a believer. She was in my baptism class. She wanted to get baptized. 
And the great thing about baptism class, I got to tell you guys this, because not everybody gets to see this, but I get to see it when we do a baptism class. It's like a gathering of people who have no business knowing each other. In this baptism class, it was just, it was all these kind of random people, but everybody's life had been transformed by Jesus. And there were these two boys, the Charbonneau boys, they were in, they were getting baptized, and Marion was getting baptized, a couple other people, and like, on that day, like, there's a lot of things, and we had this fountain outside, and everybody's going to go out around the fountain, and like, we have these moments where it's just the people getting baptized, and they're just all together. And in this moment, so I see the Charbonneau boys, and and there's no family around them, and they're just a couple of teenagers, and and they're waiting, and Marion's there, and no one else gets to see this, but I see Marion come over to them, and she's just hugging them and kissing them on the forehead. These aren't her kids, they aren't her grandkids, but she had been so softened by the Spirit. She had been so softened over the years. 75 years old, transformation from a hardened, saddened, hateful alcoholic to a loving tender grandma to anyone who needed a grandma what a beautiful image of eternal abundant life she had not only experienced the rebirth that jesus offers but she had experienced she was experiencing eternal life you know what was awesome at her memorial they sang one of her favorite hymns how great thou art this is this is why i'm even sharing this right now because abundant life i mean marion is a great story abundant life But what struck me, there were about 100 people at this memorial service, but just how quickly and ready they were to join their voices together to sing. How beautiful is that? What a skill to learn in your life, just how to join your voice with other people in song. One of my favorite, this is, again, this is, so Dan is my friend. And I invited him here because one of the things that the Baker family does is they do a Christmas sing-along at their house. And I'm just like, I'm all about it. I love it. I love it. I'm, I know it's going to happen in a couple weeks. You all are invited. I don't know if we can invite everybody. But I know I'm going to leave horse. I know I'm going to leave horse because I'm just going to sing. I'm going to sing it out. Because it's, it's Christmas songs. It's worship. It's just, it's everything. It's what I wanted us to get a piece of that. That's why I asked Dan to come do this. Because I wanted everybody to get a piece of that. I want us to, I want us to learn the skill of joining our voices together. Because I feel like it's part of what eternal life is. It's life to the full. Have you learned to love and receive love? To give and receive love? Have you learned to join your voice together with other people? Especially in worship. Jesus gives life in the beginning. In the beginning, there was life. And it was because of the word. It was because of Jesus. Jesus chooses to take part of our life, but he's not just like, I want their life. It's not like, I I want to understand their life, but I want to give them my life. I want them to be reborn, and then I want them to experience the quality of what it means to really live. To really live. But that life is not just experienced at a new birth or eternal life. Jesus goes on to say, I am the resurrection and the life. That life will endure beyond the grave. Bob Allen, if he were here right now, he'd be like, hey everybody, I'm still alive. I'm still alive. 
I am in the presence, I'm consciously in the presence of Jesus, and I am singing, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. I've joined my voices with all the saints that have gone before me, with thousands of generations that have gone before me, and I'm singing it out. And maybe I won't get hoarse, I'm just going to keep singing because that's what I want to do. My grandpa Ray, um, so this passage in John chapter 11, I'll read it to you because, um, and then I'll tell you about my grandpa Ray. John, um, Jesus, the story is Jesus holds back a few days before he goes to visit his friend Lazarus who's sick, but Lazarus dies. Martha comes out to him in John eleven twenty one, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Like, some, they, I love this story because Jesus can hear anything. Like, there's nothing Jesus can If you have a question like that to Jesus, and you're like, Jesus, if you had done something, this person would not have died. This would not have happened. Like, Jesus is all ready for that. He's ready for that kind of prayer. He's totally ready for it here with Martha. If you were here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know we'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. My grandpa Ray, my dad's dad, it's actually my dad's stepdad, um, the only grandpa on that side of the family that I ever really knew. My grandpa Ray uh, was a Marine in World War II in the Pacific Theater. He saw plenty of action, didn't talk about it much. He did talk about being on a destroyer in the South China Sea, um, <laughs> like going up and down. Anyway, he had, my grandpa could tell stories. Great storyteller. Anybody have a grandpa like that? Love that grandpa. You might get tired of this. The stories are awesome, right? He could really tell a story. And some of my favorite memories were my grandpa Ray telling stories. We were, we were up in, um, in Kennedy Benno's up in the mountains, and he would just tell these stories, and he would joke around. And um, Grandpa Ray could smoke, too. Man, he, he could smoke. He smoked like a chimney. He was a chain smoker. There were times where he was telling stories, and even when he wasn't taking a drag on a cigarette, smoke was still coming out. You guys with me? Yeah, I mean, there are times where I'm like walking somewhere, I'm like, so that guy's smoking the same cigarettes that Grandpa Ray was smoking. Like, I can, it's so ingrained, like I can, I can smell it. I love my Grandpa Ray. Uh, Eli's middle name is Ray. Um, my Grandpa Ray, when I was 17 years old, had a massive heart attack. I mean, when you smoke that much, right? Um, my Grandpa Ray was not a believer. And so I was 17 years old, I was a believer, I was like, you know, look, I, I just felt like I gotta go up and I gotta, like, I don't know, pray for him? I, you know, look, I, was, I don't know. So I go up and I'm like, and I just have this sense, like, this passage, this John 11 passage, like, I just want to sit by him and, um, and read this to him and pray for him. And so I drove up to Redondo Beach, and, um, which is where he came back after the war, and um, sat by his bedside, and I realized now, like, that he was in ICU, and it was pretty dire. They put a balloon in his heart to pump for him. You know, it was pretty dire. 
and he was not conscious, and, um, and so I just, I, I, I basically read John 11 by the side of his bed, and, um, and just prayed for him. I, I didn't know what else to do, and, um, you know, was there, and stayed for a little while, and left, and, um, you know, later, later he would recover, and he would go home, and he had this oxygen tank, and he couldn't smoke anymore, because you can't smoke with an oxygen tank. Anyway, just safety alert for everybody. Um, and I asked him, hey, do you remember when I came and read those scriptures? And he was like, um, he was like, that was a really important time for me. Like, I didn't even know. I didn't know. I didn't know he was awake. I didn't know he was there. And I don't know, I don't know if, if Grandpa Ray believed. I like to think that Grandpa Ray um, experienced the love and acceptance of Jesus. I don't, I don't know for a fact. But I do know that life, when we talk about life, how does life get part of you? Like, what, how does that new birth start? How does life come in? How, do you, how can you have confidence that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and even if you die, you will still be like Bob Allen, worshiping, consciously, alive, more alive than you might have ever felt before? And it is this. It's belief. It's faith. I love at the end of John, the end of the Gospel of John, John, the Gospel of John is like, hey, look, there were lots of other things that Jesus did. He goes, he says this in John 20, 30, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That life from the beginning, in the beginning there was life. And when Jesus came, he offered new birth and eternal life and resurrection. And what is, what is it that unlocks that? It is this idea of belief. It's also the word faith. It's the same word, faith and belief. And belief is simply this. Belief is trusting that Jesus can do for you that you cannot do for yourself. It's trusting. It's trusting that Jesus can do for you what you desperately need but cannot do for yourself, which is the forgiveness of sins. But it's also entrusting your life into the way of Jesus, the sensibilities of Jesus, the movement of the Spirit, the will of the Father. Faith is trusting and entrusting. And what I would say this, the path to life, that same life that God gave in the beginning, that same new birth that God offers in Jesus, it is by faith. And if you would trust and entrust your life to the way of Jesus, the movement of the Spirit, the will of the Father, that you can be assured that on that last day, on that day you die, that you will go into the presence of Jesus and Jesus will say, "Good done, well done, my good and faithful servant. No matter whether you are a Marion Cooper who didn't come to faith until 75 years old or whether you've been walking with Jesus your whole life or whether it is a deathbed confession, Jesus will say, I'm all about that. I love that faith. I want that. I want to give you life. Jesus did not come into this world because he wanted to be stingy with life. Let me say that again. 
Jesus did not come into this world because he wanted to be a miser with life. I've got life, and well, I, you know, my life, I don't want to. He came so that he might give abundantly, profusely, extraordinarily. And so I would just say this. Why did Jesus come? Why are we celebrating Christmas? It's so that you can experience faith in Jesus and experience the life that he offers. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings, right? What a beautiful, what a beautiful message. What a beautiful idea. And that's why we're reflecting on these ideas of light and life. Look, I said this when we went through chapter one in John. I am just looking for some light in this world and some life in this world. God, would you give us light and life? Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that we can be here, that we can sing, we can raise our voices together. What a wonderful opportunity to do that. Father, even in this season, that you would just remind us of these things. If we've been off track, Father, would you just gently move us back on track? If there are things that maybe we, we, need to, we need to do that we're not doing, that you would move us back onto track. If there are things that we need to stop doing that, that, uh, that you don't want us to do, that you would move us back on track, that you would give us the kind of life that we are indeed looking for. I pray for all of my friends here, that even today, that even as they sing this song, that they would know, I am experiencing life to the full because I have put my faith in Jesus. Father, we love you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.